Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Hey, welcome everyone. It is Monday again, July what? 18th. 18th. Thank you. You're welcome. And it is Cranky Monday. It is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, time flies. Another week. I uh, want to just say the mission of our show is to leave no stone unturned, to collaborate, use all our skills, and to simply make a difference in the workplace, our lives, and the world, even as one person. Yes, it is. It's a great mission. Right. And, um, you know, we're excited about our guest today, um, which we'll hopefully introduce in a few minutes, um, a real warrior. And um, we have some interesting stories to share. And which a Cincinnati is great. native. And a Cincinnati native. Oh, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Um, so first, my dear, how are you? I am well. Thank you. You know, it's sort of like it's Monday. It's four o'clock. Shut off the news, take a breath, let's try to do what we can as individuals to make a difference. And listen to the pleasing tones of Charlie and Eva. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're very proud of our content, we're very proud of our Talk Zone family, our producer, and such. We'd like to thank our producer today for um, making sure we have the video, because I'm holding up a really cool thing, which we're going to talk about. It's a it's a cool product. It's a cool product. I don't want to give away too much of it, but it's being viewed right now when we'll share it. Just hold on, guys. Um, so, again, we, we're proud of our content. We've had a lot of great shows. Uh, we urge you guys to just check out the TalkZone family, TalkZone.com. TalkZone.com. And also, I want to just remind everyone that you can download the TalkZone app so you can listen for free anytime you want. The app is free as well. And you can also hear us on iTunes. All replays are available 24-7 and on all those different platforms. Yeah, so we're here, right? It's up to us, so let's make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> it takes a lot to... Um, make a change in your life, in your career. It takes a lot to really stand up and be proud of what you do to not so much attack the competition, but be competitive with the competition, right? It really does. Uh, It it takes a lot to not give up, but to also be proud at the same time. Right. You know, Um, and I say that because I spent my whole life in corporate and it's very easy in a sense and we said this last week, when your head hits the pillow and you get paid, that check you know is going to clear. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that easy to, A, innovate a product and then get it out to market and then be successful with it. Right. So, it's, I mean, it's not only the product, it's everything. Right. This is a phenomenal story about a phenomenal guest with a phenomenal product and phenomenal inspiration. I mean... <laughs> Man, it doesn't get any better, and we do have a a very interesting story that we're going to share as soon as we introduce. So I would love to introduce our very special guest, and I hope I pronounced your last name correctly, Julie Boucher, um, entrepreneur, innovator, and what I like to say, warrior. So Julie, are you with us? I am, Charlie. Nice to talk with both of you. Oh, it's great to have you. Yeah, welcome to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. And I'm going to share with the audience again the product. And I want to say that Julie is the creator of this unbelievable product called Slossa. If I said that right. You did say it right. So, Julie, <laughs> uh, before we start, I want to just share something, right? So, we're minding our own business the other morning watching television. And my good friend Al Roca on the Today Show says, today's National Hot Dog Day. And I have to say, we got this 
wonderful product called Slossa. It came I, from Dylan. It went to Dylan. It went, I, and I said, wait, that's us. We that's, know Slossa. That's Julie. <laughs> and they all put it on their hot dogs and they all woofed it down. It was really, so, um, you know, tell us more, but first, congratulations and, uh, congratulations on your staying power as well. So, um, this is really cool. No, fantastic. No, the today's show was a delightful surprise. Um, I had heard a couple weeks ago um, they were doing a segment, and I, I do try to tell entrepreneurs, keep your ears open because you never know what you're going to hear, and there might be something happening in the news today that is very applicable to your business. Um, and uh, what I do when I work, I actually have the TV on in the background, and I just keep it very, very low. Mm. Um, And so I make sure I know the formats of the show, the types of things that they cover, the types of things that they don't. And a couple weeks ago, they were reporting on a, I guess it was a a new statistic um, ranking the the healthiest and the least healthy condiments. Mm. And when they went around the table, uh, each of the co-hosts of the Today Show decided to tell their favorite condiment. And when Dylan Dreyer, uh, the uh, Al's weather um, girl as well, um, mm-hmm. she does the weather on the weekends, um, but she's also there during the third hour of the Today Show, um, when she opted to say, you know what, you guys are going to think I'm weird, but I love relishes. You know, my my head went off. I thought, oh, my gosh, I've got to make sure I get her product. So I sent some product, never heard anything, and a couple weeks later on National Hot Dog Day, we get the wonderful surprise to say that they all absolutely love Slalsa and they featured us. Um, truly a great compliment for a small business because that kind of ad dollars, little guys like us can't afford. But um, when they all tout your product, it, I'll tell you, it means the world. Yeah, no, it was, it was cool. really amazing. One of the yeah. things that I heard, and it's to your point, right? And by the way, I just want to share the product again. And I want to say the website is slossa, S-L-A-W-S-A dot com, right? Um, right. Just remember that. Write that down. We're going to repeat it again and again. But what they were saying is, well, I like hot dogs with sauerkraut. I like hot dogs with relish. I like hot dogs. And then Dylan said, well, Hello, <laughs> I like hot dogs with this, which is all of the above. <laughs> well, no, what was cool was so we were watching the show, and then all of a sudden, like they pulled out hot dogs and they pulled out salsa, and they all just <laughs> yeah. slathered their dogs with yeah. it, and they all were chowing down. And Charlie and I were going crazy because it was just last week, and we knew you were coming on on Monday, and we couldn't believe it. It was great. Yeah, great. Right. Um, and the internet was okay, so, flooding in. <laughs> yeah, um, tell us. A little bit about, first, share again the website and tell us a little bit about this wonderful product. Sure. Um, so the website is slawsa.com, S-L-A-W-S-A.com. And uh, basically what it is is a cabbage-based relish with addictive heat undertones to it. So it's sort of a slaw salsa hybrid. Um, most stores are going to carry it in the relish department. It's all-natural, fat-free, cholesterol-free, gluten-free, low in sodium kosher. We should all be eating more cabbage. When you compare it to a traditional dill pickle relish, it has half the sodium with 20% more vitamin C. Um, So it's just loaded with flavor. It's just a much more versatile condiment, more flavorful, healthier, um, and affordable, too. So, um, you know, being a Cincinnati native, I was so excited that, you know, Kroger brought us in all of their stores. And this was several years ago, even before Shark Tank. But we're in about 8,000 stores nationwide, um, and we launched not even five years ago. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, that that's is amazing. amazing. <laughs> and, you know, I was just thinking, right, and I was just saying, you know, I can walk into a supermarket and I can pick up a jar of anything and talk about it. And people would say, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. But to think that you, Julie Boucher, created this product, you visioned it, you determined what should go in it, you piloted it, you tested it, you marketed it. So if you want to talk about uh, entrepreneurial skills and how to start a, a 
launch a product, I mean, who better to ask than you, right? Right. Well, and I can't take full 100% credit for the recipe because it is based off of an old family recipe, um, a different version of it, of course. And um, not only was there the original, but I was able to develop the spicy, the garlic, and the habanero fire flavors as well. Um, but, I, I mean, really from taking a product that's just a family recipe or just something that you would make in your home to transition it to a production recipe and to get it out to market in perhaps one of the most competitive industries around the CPG grocery industry because, first of all, it's dominated by the major manufacturers who can just buy space. And then secondly, we're an industry based off of volumes and not margins. So it takes longer for smaller companies to mature, and there's an extremely high attrition rate because most of the small businesses who launch products, they just can't weather the storm over the duration that they need um, to launch a product. So, uh, you know, I think having a more unique product, I, I like to think that we're kind of disrupting that relish category that's really been unchanged for many, many years. Um, I think that is extremely helpful. At the same time, you know, we do have a challenge to re-educate the public that a relish can be so much more than what they know in a traditional sense. Mm-hmm. Well, and the and the name is just so catchy too, right? I mean, it's right. Did you guys didn't call it Slasa when you were growing up? How did you come up with that name even? Because the name no. just really it catches you. It just catches yeah, the, you. Yeah, the name. The name is Slasa, and actually, I've um, trademarked a secondary name, Krellish. Um, we're, we're going to be developing a secondary line. I want the Slasa name to get out there a little bit more, but um, mm-hmm. Krellish, which is cabbage-based relish with mm-hmm. other flavors and other vegetables, will be coming out at some point, probably a couple years from now. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think having a creative name that is the descriptor of the product um, something short, sweet, something that you can do a lot of puns with. Like we always say that things, instead of them being awesome, we say that they're flawsome. Um, <laughs> it, it just helps with marketing, helps with branding. Um, yeah, it's incredible. And, uh, again, it's slawsa.com, S-L-A-W-S-A.com. That's all you need to know. Just go there and everything uh, will be explained and you'll get to – learn more about Julie. Um, you know, and we're going to go into everything, Julie, but just a question. You know, you said something a second ago that there's such a high attrition rate. And, you know, when you think of so many small businesses that fail, you know, with the same amount of enthusiasm, care, concern, knowledge, and intelligence that you have, I mean, what what sets the ones that remain apart? Is it just um, they don't they hold on and don't slip through the cracks? They keep fighting. I mean, what exactly is it? Um, I think there there are a couple things. Um, first, I'll share with you two quick little stats. Eighty percent of new product launches fail within two years. Hmm. Um, number two is that. of small businesses fail within five years. Um, And it sort of varies by industry. It's probably shorter on the shorter end for a CPG grocery company like mine, probably on the longer end for other types of businesses. Um, But I really think, I mean, enthusiasm is fantastic and knowledge is fantastic. But I can tell you when I speak with other entrepreneurs, and I I do, and we can talk about this later, um, I do attempt to mentor as many as I can um, directly within the food industry, but I'm part of this um, entrepreneurial group of 17,000, and we're just constantly giving feedback to anybody who has questions, you know, to help them on their journeys. Uh, But I think when I talk to entrepreneurs, I can kind of tell right away the ones that are really passionate and really going to do whatever it takes and then the ones that are very very passionate and they work very hard but they don't work as hard as they need to work 
And that's um, why um, I can tell you, yeah, I we, think that's we need mentors I think like you to help us along, right? Which is very important. And I can tell you, we're going to take a break right now, but I can tell you just from listening to you, the knowledge and intelligence and you know your stuff right. comes out every time you speak. So this is really cool. Listen, slossa.com, please stay with us. We have a lot more to discuss with our special guest, Julie Busher. We'll be right back. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. Our guest today is Julie Busha. She is a Cincinnati native, and she's the founder of the Busha Group, LLC, and the creator of Slasa, an innovative cabbage-based relish. And she's also paying it forward by mentoring entrepreneurs and this is such a it's such a fun topic. But what I'm amazed at, Julie, is it doesn't seem like you had any kind of grocery background or any kind of product background before you launched Slossa. So I thought it would be fun if you could kind of go back and say what made you decide that you were going to take this family recipe, tweak it and then try to launch it. Like what was the inspiration behind that? Well, um, you know what? I actually do have a, a little bit of a background that did that was helpful. Uh, prior to becoming my own boss, I launched, or I, I actually worked in marketing in the NASCAR industry for over a decade. Um, and I was very, very fortunate that during my time um, in NASCAR, which I absolutely loved, um, and I helped Bobby Labonte start his marketing agency. I started with IMG, but we always represented sponsors within the sport. Of course, these are the major corporations um, across America. But uh, for nine and a half years, one of my main clients was General Mills. Um, so during my time, I absorbed some knowledge that was helpful, but when it comes to launching a product on your own, it is quite different than, you know, trying to um, execute marketing to help build a brand that is already very well known, like like Cheerios or Hamburger mm-hmm. Help. Um, right. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was it is different, but at the same time, I did have a, a little bit of a knowledge of the grocery industry going in. Um, I actually started this company with a partner, uh, and he was involved for the first year plus. Of course. Um, after I had invested probably $50,000 of our savings and I had always been, my husband and I have always been ultra conservative, living off of one income, even though we both, you know, we both worked for many years. Uh, after I had made that investment and got us off the ground into from zero stores to several thousand, he requested that I buy him out. So I've had some additional hurdles along the way and I wish that no one has to, you know, endure that sort of a request. But, you know, you learn life lessons. And I think one of the things that I am extremely proud of is the fact that I can help and pay it forward to other entrepreneurs. And and when someone says, give me your one piece of advice that you would tell someone starting up a company, I would say find a mentor specifically within your industry, not – a CEO of a corporation or someone from academia, but someone who really launched a product who may be five to seven years into it because they are going to be able to know all of the hurdles that you're going through and they're going to be more helpful so you can make wiser decisions that are not going to waste money in the early crucial stages of your business. Yeah, that's such great advice because I agree. You know, so many times you'll see that people from other industries are showing you how to market when it does may not absolutely make sense for you to do that, considering that they don't even know what it is that you're doing. But how did you decide to to um, market Slasa? Like, what was the decision to go after this relish-based business? Because, I mean, it just seems like you were saying earlier, there's – so much out there already. There's so many condiments out there already. There's there's such a um, there's such a market, and like you said, that the big the big chains have already got a lock on that market. So what made you decide that this is the product that I'm going to launch? Um, I think that the uniqueness really helped out 
Um, you know, I selfishly left the NASCAR industry. Um, I was director of marketing for Bobby's agency that I helped build uh, beginning in 2007, and I selfishly decided um, I needed to get off the road. NASCAR is an industry that, you know, the season is 10 months of the year. It starts in February in Daytona. It goes all the way to the banquet in December. Uh, I mean, it is it is many, many weekends on the road. And for over 10 years, I spent 20 race weekends on the road, you know. And and I was at the point in my early 30s that my husband and I had been married a while. And uh, we just never had kids. We never had a family because I was on the road. You know, it wouldn't, wouldn't be the right thing to do is to, you know, try to start a family and be gone. Um, so I decided I wanted to focus on you know, helping small companies grow, and that's kind of where, um, you know, my partner and I met up. He actually requested to see if I would help him, and it it actually started out as a, you know, I was going to represent this brand working on commission only um, to help get it off the ground, Um, but I found myself um, much more involved than I had ever anticipated. Um, He requested that I help fund production, and and promised me a partnership, and and it, it's certainly not <laughs> the the typical way a lot of small businesses start. But I found an, an extreme passion for it, and um, you know, I, I put I've moved all my chips to the center of the table. I guess. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, what caused you to go all in? And that's exactly what you're describing, which is interesting. Right. And no, it's really yeah. interesting. And then you took it, and then you you just blew it up, which is. Terrific. I mean, to be selfish, right? Um, well, I, 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 I was just thinking of what can I do that I wouldn't be on the road so much. Of course, right. now I'm working 8,200-hour weeks, and we're still putting off starting that family, and I'm 38 now. So mm-hmm. I guess at some point we'll have to address how that happens. Um, but, you know, now, you know, Slalsa has become so much more than – you know, a company to me. Um, and it really was that several years, you know, even kind of toward the beginning, just there is an extreme amount of satisfaction to take something that was not sold in any stores to, to grow it to something and know that that came on the sweat of your brow and that came because of decisions and risks and sacrifices that you made. So, um, you know, it it is... 100% a part of me and you know I'm I'm I get I'm excited to work on it every single day. Yeah. And one of the nicest things one nicest things that really invigorates me cuz I, I think some people can get in a slump um mm-hmm. and just say oh why is this not growing as fast as I want it to and there's a lot of you know frustrations why you know we have to wait on annual category review cycles and the industry is so slow um but when you get an email from a customer who took time out of their day to write in to tell you how much your product means to them, I'll tell you, there is nothing that gets you more pumped up. Yeah, yeah, that's that life-saving vitamin to continue. Right, that's exactly right. And you can feel, you know, you can really hear the passion in your voice, right? And the one thing that I noticed about you is that you you really understand the details. You really listen to what's going on in the industry. Just the fact that you had the TV on in the background and you heard Dylan talking about how much she liked relish and you jumped on that. You are seeing what people are looking for and you're responding to it by even responding to the person that emailed you and just realizing that that was a big deal that someone took time out of their day to say, you know, wow, I really love your product. That just shows how into your customers you are. And yeah. I think that's what really makes the difference. Well, what I was going to say before was, selfishly, we get lucky, right? Mm-hmm. Because we get to meet and learn from um, people like you, Julie. And, you know, you never really know what what's in front of you until you actually take the step. You know, when, like, when you put those chips in the middle there, you know, w- nobody really knew that there's an entrepreneur here ready to come out and not only come out, be successful, not only be successful, share it. Right. You know? So yeah, like I said, we get to be selfish, but, um, 
this was a good decision, I can tell you. So now, you know, you've taken years. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say entrepreneurs, I mean, we have many sleepless nights. We wonder, is the decision we made to accept that buyout request or, you know, was that the right move? Because you're at the point where you can lose your house. You can lose everything yeah. that you built. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's serious decisions. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's something that you, I mean, you just have to have an intense belief in yourself and your abilities and the product that you know is, is going to happen. And you've got to, you can't take a day off. You've got to work every single day to make sure that, you know, you make it happen because you have no other alternatives at this point. So, you know, I, I know that a lot of entrepreneurs out there, you know, they it, it, it can be extremely frustrating um, and, and just a longer or more expensive journey than you ever anticipated. Um, but, you know, I, I'm a big believer that, you know, you, you can work hard and work toward a better future. Right, and you were able to take that passion. I mean, your knowledge that you got from NASCAR and all the work that you did there, I mean, really helped to get you into grocery stores quickly because, I mean, that's that's the hard part is getting in, having people look at your product, having people like your product, and then having them make room on their shelves for your product. I mean, that was a huge win to be able to do that. And now to be in eight thousand stores nationwide i mean that's amazing that's an amazing amount of work that you did and success that you had with it well and and you know i mean getting on the shelf i think with a lot of food entrepreneurs their goal is to get on the shelf and that's really just where the work begins because you got to get it sold off the shelf at a pace that the retailer is happy with so they keep you on the shelf um and uh you know i mean typically a lot of people get so overwhelmed by the expenses and marketing that they just can't they just can't make ends meet because it costs so much to bring a product to market um, but at the same time uh, I, I mean I, I, I was very very lucky that I did work in marketing for so many years because I think I tend to think a little bit more creatively and differently Mm-hmm. Um, many times I will be talking and approaching retailers and, you know, they've got their kind of, their toolbox. Here's all the things that you can do with marketing. You can do Sunsoft promotions and all these things with them. And then you ask them something that they've never even entertained before, yet it will work. So a lot of times I find myself challenge, challenging the retailers to get on board with my creative idea mm-hmm. of marketing mm-hmm. the, the product. And I can, like, a great example of that is High V up in Iowa. Um, they're noted, you know, for having a great meat department. They make their own brats. And on Friday night, their stores have their brat carts out, and they're selling their brats um, to the customers so they can kind of eat and shop, and it's kind of their thing. And I asked the buyer, I said, well, how about I donate a bunch of half gallons to your brat cart? She said, well, mm. we that's not really something that we've done. I said, well, if you're already serving brat, why don't you just serve, you know, give the customers an option, you know, with your other condiments to pick salsa? And yeah. they decided to do it. And it didn't cost me hardly anything. It just cost me the donation of the half gallons. But once you get it in their mouths, um, it was a home run, and it sold yeah. a ton of jars right off the bat. Plus, they're it thinking differently right now going done forward. Before, but, but it absolutely worked, um, and I didn't have to pay demo fees um, hmm. to demo the product by itself. I just kind of added on to something they were they were already doing. Yeah, cool. Yeah, the creativity is yeah. great. We're going to go ahead and take our second break. Stay with us, everyone. Our guest today is Julie Busha, and she's the um, creator of Slasa. We will be right back. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on Talk Zone. Okay, guys, we are back, segment three, with our special guest, Julie Busha, who was the creator of this incredible product called Slasa. And I have to say right off the bat here is um, 
the taste of this product is just as energetic as the person behind it, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, which I think is a really cool thing, you know, because you are this product and, um, it just, it just, it's very, it's very new. It's different. It's creative. It's really good for you, right? Well, and you were putting salsa on everything. I was putting it on everything. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Um, and when we saw the thing on today, the other morning, it just was funny. Um, so, you know, Julie, and we'll talk a little more in a minute about the entrepreneurial aspects of something like this, but, um, what, I mean, again, you have this product now that is manufactured. Um, what goes into creating a manufacturing facility? I mean, how do you even go about doing something like that? Well, and in the food industry, um, we have several options. Um, I always recommend to people who are just thinking about launching, you know, a barbecue sauce or whatever they want to launch on the food side, first step is to talk to your state agriculture department. Um, I'm very, very fortunate to live in North Carolina. They've got an insanely supportive agriculture department that is very uh, hands-on in guiding foodpreneurs um, into, you know, the the vast unknown of the grocery industry. Um, but typically, obviously, when you're manufacturing a product, you can't do it out of your kitchen. It's technically illegal. just can't do that. Um, you know, you have to have health permits and, and you have to have a facility to do it. Um, a lot of the first step for most foodpreneurs is to rent a commercial kitchen. Um, and there are co-ops or commercial kitchens that are popping up in every major city in the United States where you can just rent the space and use their equipment to knock out all of your, and and sometimes even get a discount on ingredients or labels or your glass or your your packaging um, where you can get it legally made in a certified food-grade facility so you can have it for resale. Um, that's typically the first step. The second step, which actually was our first step, was to utilize a co-packer. These are manufacturing facilities. Uh, for example, my co-packer has been in business for 40 years, and probably one-third of their business is private label. So they might make steak sauces and salad dressings and things like that for the Kroger's of the world, the grocery stores. Um, about maybe one-third of their business might be contracting out to people like me um, who have a recipe and a process, and they will manufacture it for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the third group is their own brand. So they might have their own brand that they manufacture as well. And one of the, the, the real great things about these facilities, first of all, all ours is a level three SQF certified facility, which is the highest food grade you can possibly receive. They've been in business 40 years. They've never had a recall. We're also a kosher certified facility. For someone like me who's starting out, I don't have millions of dollars to invest into a facility that I need to be able to scale with. Um, A lot of people can't use co-packers right off the bat because they can't adhere to the minimum volume numbers that the co-packer needs to be able to produce your product. You know, they need, you know, you to produce a minimum of 10,000 jars at a time. And typically people starting off can't do that. Um, I, th- I think maybe our minimum is around 5,000 jars. But um, nonetheless, it's usually the second step before building out your own facility. Now, we're only a five or not quite five-year-old business, we don't have our own facility yet, yet. We are still utilizing our co-packer. But our co-packer is a 150,000-square-foot facility. They can knock out about 90,000 units during an eight-hour shift. So I'm only producing with them maybe once a month or once every several, three to six weeks, depending on what my needs are. So... Um, the nice thing about a co-packer is because they manufacture all of these items, not just mine, 
they can pass through breaks on ingredients and packaging and glass and things like that. So really it, it does help to get your cost down, um, but you've got to be able to commit to the volumes, which most people can't do right off the bat. Right, um, very uh, and again, tricky, and I see how yeah. it could be very beneficial, but it's also um, a little complicated, right? No, it's really complicated, but Julie, you have so much energy, yeah. you need it. <laughs> just, I mean, I don't just keeping all the knowledge in your head. Yeah, just a, a question. I mean, what do you do with all the product? I mean, does it all get delivered? Does some of it, do you store some of it? How does that work? So, the, yeah, the nice thing about our product, we don't have perishability issues. So, if I were a, a product, you know, in the dairy or bakery space, that might be a whole other ball game. Um, luckily, we have an 18-month shelf life from production, so I will keep an inventory at my co-packer in North Carolina, and I will also keep, I will truckload, a truckload at a time, which for me is about 18 pallets per, you know, max weight, um, down to Atlanta to another warehouse that I contract with. And then based on the internet orders coming in, I'll ship from one of each of those, one or of those facilities, depending on where it's going, so I can get my lowest transportation and freight costs. Um, we'll be opening a warehouse or contracting with a warehouse in the Denver area when I get more Western distribution, because hmm. it makes more sense to truckload a truckload at a time from North Carolina to Denver, and then ship out a pallet at a time, or two pallets at a time from there, than shipping one or two pallets at a time across country. Unbelievable. And, you know, <laughs> just listening to you, you can see the benefit of mentoring that you would have to others. I mean, you're sharing this with us as, you know, um, with interest, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, which I think is really cool. So, um, you know, saying that you've accomplished what you have and that you have the opportunity to mentor. I mean, even that is one thing, but actually sharing the information and doing it is even more. I mean, um, so that is where we get to be even more selfish with you, right? Because you're out there sharing and mentoring. Mm -hmm. So um, tell us about this entrepreneurial group that you're with that does things like this. Yeah, so um, I do my best to write as many business articles as I can, um, and that could be in Huffington Post or on various blog sites. Uh, but I also, in, in addition to mentoring, you know, directly, and, and some of the people that I mentor, they may only have a question like once every couple months. I'll get a phone call from, you know, my, a barbecue sauce guy, and he'll, and He'll say, hey, Julie, can you do a brain dump with me? I've got all these questions, and I just want like an hour of your time, and I just want to ask them all, and you can respond, and it'll really help me out. And sometimes they'll call and just say, oh, I'm filling out a new vendor paperwork. What does this mean? And I'll help them out there. So, you know, it's not like we've got weekly check-ins or anything. It's kind of like as they need, you know, as they have it. And they're they're very respectful of my time, too, so... You know, it, it, it makes me feel good to help them because, you know, I know they're going to make fewer mistakes, but at the same time, you know, they know how busy I am. But um, the entrepreneurial group on Facebook, it's over 17,000 members right now, and it's called Shark Tank Entrepreneurs. And it was started by a guy named Mark. He was from Shark Tank Season 1 um, with a, a toy called Cubits, um, and it's uh, and he just wanted to start the group as a way to have open dialogue with fellow entrepreneurs and, you know, I mean, venture frustrations, ask questions, and all of a sudden it evolved to this gigantic group, and I've been an administrator of it for several years now, um, and we have rules within the group, you know, you can't advertise and things like that, but um, but we're there to just give free support and advice, and Maybe I don't have all of the answers on sourcing something from China, but someone mm -hmm. else might have a good answer to that question. Um, I might be more beneficial in questions about licensing or, um, you know, freight and 3PL and trying to save reduced costs there. Someone else yeah. might have more information on trademarking and when it's needed and when it's not needed. 
So it's just a great form for free exchange of information. It's kind of like Gore, but a bigger online mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. And um, and even like what you've already shared with us, you know, uh, if you're in a in a business of a food product or you're looking to do anything with food products, go to your state agriculture department first. Yeah. I mean, yeah. who knew? Right. You know, we did not know. We did not know that. No. So, <laughs> um, you know, no, this is really good. And just once again, the product is Slawsa, S-L-A-W-S-A. -A. There's three different versions. Uh, I have to try, Julie, the habanero. Can't wait. Um, Great. What we've had so far has been excellent. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's just an incredible product. And, you know, to be honest, right, all kidding aside, without the foundation of a really, really good product, you know, it's even, it's almost impossible. So the product is important. And I just want to say that it is really a good product. And, um, I, is know. the host of the Today Show will attest to because I mean they couldn't stop eating. It. Yeah, they, they couldn't it was running down. So <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Um, so no, this is really cool. We have one more break to take. We're not done learning not. from Julie, and we have a lot more to share. So please stay with us, everyone. We will be right back. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. This is our final segment, and our guest today has been Julie Busha. She's the founder of the Busha Group, LLC, and also the creator of Slasa, an innovative cabbage-based relish, and soon to come out will be Krelish, which I love both those names. And you can learn more about Slasa at slasa.com, which is S-L-A-W-S-A, -S -S which it's also Slossom, which I love that too. I think you signed one of the cards you sent to us with Slossom, which I love that, Julie. Um, I relish, I relish the use of puns. <laughs> yes, we love them. And so, you know, we saw that you were on Shark Tank and for a while there, Charlie was absolutely obsessed with Shark Tank. We were watching it every single night and it just seems like such a pressure cooker. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience? And you know what? I, not to interrupt. I learned something from your experience there, something really good. But anyway, go ahead. Sure. Um, you know what? It was, it was a great experience. Um, I was on uh, Season 5, Episode 9, um, and I started my casting process in Atlanta, just did one of the open casting calls. Um, actually had attempted to try out for season four just with an email and felt like, okay, I've got a little ways into the casting process, but in looking back, I was really blessed that they did not choose me and that they kind of waited for us to grow a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if they were waiting or, you know, they just liked the fact that they saw me in person or, or whatever it was, um, but that's where my journey began uh, in April of 2013. Um, and by July of 2013, I was taping um, in Los Angeles. It, when, when they tape Shark Tank, they tape for three days in a row. And I ended up being the last person on the last day to tape. So I was a little unlucky in my time slot because, you know, you want to get them at least early on in a day, even if you're on the last day. Yeah. Um and, and it, it was a great experience. You know what? I actually felt very comfortable going into the room because I felt like there's no question that they could ask that I'm not going to know. Um, and I probably taped with them close to an hour. Of course, I didn't walk in the room till 7 o'clock at night. And, you know, for whatever reason, and Mark probably said it best, he's, you know, he just said, you know, I don't, I don't think I can help you. And that was kind of his response for going out. It was bizarre that I didn't get an investment because we were already in 4,200 4, stores. We had good numbers when I pitched. We had a unique product. I felt, you know, very knowledgeable um, that I was a great business owner. And I got compliments from them. They just didn't invest. And yeah. I really did take it personally after I left there. I mean, I was kind of devastated because I thought, well, what did I do wrong? What did I not do right? Um, and in looking back, I did realize that, 
you know, they do like, they don't like to invest in CPG grocery companies because they know that our businesses take longer to mature. And I think they really do like to see a return on their investment immediately. Um, You know, who knows? And I, I think some of them have been burned within this space. I think some have invested in grocery products that have gone belly up um, relatively quickly or they're just not moving and, you know, why why take the risk? Why not invest in a space that they feel more comfortable in? Um, you know, Lori wants something she can get on a QVC. Right. Um, Kevin knew I wasn't going to take a royalty deal. That was, I mean, that didn't make the edit, but that was, you know, confirmed. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and Mark would rather invest in the tech space or something else. So, you know, and I'm they had they surprised. had the metrics of the industry, which made them a yeah. little suspect, right? And um, you know what I what I learned is that sometimes, and this is the case as I see it with Slosa, that you are the shark, right? You are the one right. that actually does know best. Um, and right. sometimes right. when you see that, uh, we say, yeah, everybody would say that, but. Um, in this case, you know, you had to defy the odds and make it work. Right. You know? Right. Um, it was very interesting. Well, and the other thing is, is if they thought that you weren't good at what you did, at what you do, they would have told you that. But you oh, didn't right, get right. any oh, so of they that. Were you, they just didn't invest in you. Yeah. And I think the one really nice thing that came apart, you know, when I was in the room, I heard very nice things Mark Cuban said. And I was probably most frustrated. My my biggest frustration was the fact that Barbara was not in the room. I didn't get a chance to pitch to her, and she's the one that's more likely to invest in food. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, but yes. When, when, you know, Mark had those very kind things to say when I was there, but after I walked out, and of course I didn't know this until I watched the show live with everyone else, is he had really nice things to say after I left about my yeah. hustle and you know, that, you know, my fiscal responsibility. And um, I reached out to him via email. Another Shark Tank uh, entrepreneur who he had invested in gave me his email. I, I wanted to send him a note of thanks. First of all, he did love this product. I wanted to send product and a handwritten thank you card to his house. Send him a quick little email that night of the airing and just say, hey, I really appreciate the nice things that you said, you know, not only when I was in the room, but after I left. And I said, can I send you a package? And he gave me, and within a half hour, he responded, gave me his um, home address, said, send it here, you know, whatever we can do, help out, you know, love love to help. Like he, I could not believe I even got a response from him. Yeah, very cool. And that's because of you. Exactly like that. Yeah. Wow. No, I mean, and that's, that's terrific. And what a terrific experience for you to be able to do that and hold your own with those guys, right? I mean, because it's tough in there. Yeah. And for you to be yeah, able to was- go in there and, you know, take all their questions for an hour and have them be, okay, they didn't invest. But on the other hand, they also didn't rip you to shreds because they do do that with some people by telling them that they're not ready and that they don't know their stuff. I mean, for you to be able to hold your own with those guys, I mean, what an amazing accomplishment. It really is. Yeah, yeah I was actually prepared for more very industry but I don't think the questions I had expected them to ask, they knew to ask. Right. So, um, right. you know, just not having a good comfort within our industry, which is fine. You know, you definitely want to have a shark that feels that they can give benefit to you. And like, you know, Mark said, I just don't think I can help you, but rock on, you know? Yep, right. So. And so, you know, we just have a few minutes left, Julie. We have about four minutes left. So if someone's out there and they're thinking about starting a small business, and I know that you do a lot of work with a lot of different entrepreneurs. Like, what are some of the the tips that you would give someone? Um, you know, I, I think it does help for me to be a very math-minded individual, and I make a lot of decisions based off of the numbers, um, especially marketing decisions. Uh, a lot of companies, they will be bombarded, and especially if you've gotten on national TV, by you know, companies coming left and right saying, invest your money here, or we want to do a Twitter promotion for you, or we want to do this for you, we want to do this for you, and it's only going to cost X amount. And and, and you really have to be analytical in your decision-making in terms of what is going to get you a return on investment or not. Um, so I, I 
always encourage people to know what is your marketing dollars per unit you sell. What what is that number? And for every company, it's going to be different. For a grocery company, it could be you know thirty cents, fifty cents. You know, you need to sell two units at retail for every dollar spent. Um, for a, a higher margin, you know, business, you might if you're dedicating and you got to figure out from the beginning how what percent am I going to dedicate to marketing. Early startup businesses need to put more money into marketing. It could be 50% of their budget. It could be 30%. A company that's been around, it might only be 10%. Um, so whatever your marketing ROI per unit sold is, you need to make decisions based off of that. And I'll give you a quick example of uh, a marketing opportunity in the grocery industry that may or may not work to your advantage. We are constantly asked to do demos. A lot of stores, and it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to get your flavor out into mouths. Um, mm-hmm. But if you do too many demos, you may not get your return on investment back. Um, to hire a, a demo agency for a four- to six-hour demo may cost, just say, $100. Um, for their time, for the cost of the product, um, the cost of the demo agency that hired the person, you're probably in $100 per demo. Now, for me, I need that demo person to sell 300 units during that four- to six-hour shift to break even on my return on investment. Yeah. I'll tell you, that's not going to happen. I mean, it's going to have to be an insanely high-volume store, but no old lady is going to be able to sell yeah. what I can sell. You know, I mean, that's, that's the reality. You, they might get $20 back for your investment, but how long can you wait for that money to come back so you can have it again to spend? So make all your marketing decisions based off of the numbers. And you've got to be very realistic. For this opportunity, how many units am I realistically going to sell? And what does that translate to from a dollar perspective? Yeah, excellent advice. That's great advice. Now, Julie, thank you so much. This has been such a great show. We love the product. We love everything that you bring in your passion and your expertise. And thanks so much for sharing it with our listeners today. Yeah. Oh, no. Thank you so much for having me, Charlie and Eva. I'd love to come back and do a take two sometime. Oh, that would be terrific. We would love it. Yep. And I just want to say Slossa.com. Slossa.com. And uh, just reach out to Julie from there. Right. So thanks again, Julie. Have a great night. Yep. Take care. Thank you. Have a awesome day. <laughs> too. Thanks. And um, thank you, everyone, and we will see you next week. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Bye, guys. Unbelievable show. <laughs>